Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the automotive industry. Well, we've got some coronavirus news to report on, no surprise there, of course. But Tesla finally agreed to shut down its manufacturing operations in California. But that only came after police and city officials went after the company for openly defying an order to close all non-essential businesses. Meanwhile, Subaru announced it's also going to close its plant in Indiana for next week. But BMW tells AutoLine it will not have a status report on its plant in South Carolina until Monday. But let's make a prediction here. BMW is going to end up closing that plant too. As we reported yesterday, Mercedes has told AutoLine that it has secured its supply chain. It will continue its manufacturing operations in Alabama. But I got to tell you, we'll make the same prediction for Mercedes that we're making for BMW. It's going to end up closing. And here's why automakers are so reluctant to close their manufacturing operations. It costs them a fortune. Take Tesla, for example. It's making about a thousand cars a day. When you average out the prices of the S, the X, and the Model 3, it comes to over $50,000 per car. So, a thousand cars a day, $50,000 a car, that means Tesla will be losing $50 million a day anytime that that plant is closed. Now imagine General Motors. It has 11 assembly plants, 10 engine and transmission plants, and five stamping plants in the U.S. And the losses for GM are just going to skyrocket. And of course, I'm just using GM as an example. This applies to every automaker. But there is one area where GM and Ford and maybe Tesla really want to reopen some plants and ramp up production. And that's to make respirators for the coronavirus crisis. And I love hearing this. You know, I say it's time to unleash the makers in the industry and get out of their way. I've met a lot of skilled tradespeople and techs in this industry who have the skills to make just about anything. They're the kind of people who typically have the tools in their garage to tackle any project that they want to. And it's these kind of people that the auto industry and the government need to put on this case to start making respirators, ventilators, and masks. All they need are the tools, the specs, the materials, and some space to make it in. The key is to get these people on it as fast as possible and let them do their thing. And you watch. These are the kind of people who will volunteer to do it. EV startup Lucid Motors just shared some of its strategy on how it wants to sell cars. Just like Tesla, the company plans to sell directly to customers, but it will build a network of retail spaces so customers can experience its vehicles firsthand. The stores will have VR configurators so customers can learn about its cars in an immersive virtual experience. It recently opened a studio in California and plans to open eight more studios across the country this year, but who knows how that will be impacted by the coronavirus. Lucid planned on unveiling its Air sedan at the New York Auto Show, and it says it's reevaluating the situation of how it's going to unveil that car now that the show has been postponed. 
You know, when you buy a Bentley, you're stepping into a pretty exclusive club. But the company's lead designer tells Autoblog that its high-end customers wanted something even more special. That led to the Bentley Mulliner Bacalar, a two-seat roadster that's loosely based on the Continental GT, and it will only build 12 of them. Its styling is inspired by the EXP100 GT concept car and features unique touches like 5,000-year-old Riverwood and a 650-horsepower 12-cylinder engine. What's even more amazing is that the car was finished in just nine months. It was meant to debut at the Geneva Auto Show, and for the lucky few buyers in the U.S. who might get one, the Bacalar will be um, imported under the show and display law, which allows vehicles that don't meet federal safety regulations to be imported if they have, and I quote here, historical or technological significance. As we reported yesterday, NASCAR is going to be doing some e-racing this weekend with real drivers, and BMW is going to do the same sort of thing. It's holding several events this weekend through its sim racing program. It will compete in the first-ever virtual race at the Nürburgring, which will feature more than 50 cars split into four classes. The race will be live-streamed at www.vln.de at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Following the race, there's going to be an all-star eSports battle with up to 60 pro racers duking it out in the virtual world. You can watch that on the YouTube channel called The Race, and that's going to be going at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. And there's a virtual Sebring race with real drivers participating at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday that will be broadcast on the iRacing eSports Network on YouTube and on Twitch. Well, this can't exactly replace the real thing. At least it gives us something to look at. The National Transportation Safety Board released its final reports for two fatal crashes involving Tesla's autopilot system. The first accident was in California in 2018, and investigators determined that the driver did not perform any evasive action and was probably using a smartphone app just before the crash. The second accident in 2019 in Florida involved a Tesla colliding with a semi-tractor trailer crossing the road and was also the result of driver inattention. But the NTSB was critical of Tesla for not limiting the use of autopilot to conditions that it was designed for. And it also criticized NHTSA for not coming up with safeguards to make sure that drivers are properly warned if an accident is imminent. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. The topic on AutoLine this week is all about how to crack the code on selling EVs to consumers. Mike Devorney with a company called Escalant has come up with six different categories of consumers and it came up with ways of how to sell EVs to each of these segments. Here he talks about how to get young enthusiasts shopping for electric cars instead of gasoline-powered ones. Uh, you know, for us, it's looking at some of those motivations and seeing, you know, really trying to go after those. So, for instance, with this group, it's talking about the performance aspects of an EV. Um, it's really talking about some of the issues uh, related to uh, range or, you know, this group, cost is a little bit of a factor. I mean, cost is a factor, obviously, for, for all groups. But, um, but this is one where, 
you know, being able to address that in some ways this is the, the best combination out there of the things that they seek. So, uh, you know, one of the things I think of is, is back when I was younger, this would be a buyer who might be, you know, hot for something like a BMW M3. Well, now if you're looking at a vehicle that can offer, you know, if a BMW M3 is an $80,000 vehicle, uh, hey, look, our EV for $45,000 can beat it zero to 60, um, you know, has great, great looks, great image. That's an easier way to sell to this group. And the cooler under the hood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And so these these young enthusiast types, they comprise what percent of sales? Most so so they're um, they're about fourteen percent of the. Market. Oh, so big chunk. Mm -hmm. oh. They're much. You start getting much bigger. Um, yeah, that first group's pretty small. The the rest of the groups are um, relatively large in size. And of course, you can watch that entire show right now on our website or on our YouTube channel. You know, the wedge-shaped supercar is not something that you would have ever expected to come out of Mercedes-Benz, but it broke the typical mold when it introduced the C111 experimental vehicle. The company put out a press release for the second generation of that car celebrating its 50th anniversary, which of course means that it debuted in 1970 at the Geneva Auto Show. They've got all kinds of high-def photos of the car, as well as classic shots of it. The second generation was highlighted by a four-rotor Wankel engine that produced 350 horsepower. And, of course, you can look for the link to that press release in our show notes in today's show. You know, I spent the past week driving a Genesis G90, and all I can say is, wow, what a spectacular car. It has all the road presence of a Mercedes S-Class, and maybe more so. But with a starting price of about $72,000, it's at least twenty grand cheaper than the Benz. The front end is dominated by a trapezoidal grille that looks so imposing in pictures that are shot low. But it doesn't look quite so predominant when viewed from a higher angle, like when you're just walking by. Inside, the G90 is sumptuous, with a lot of fine detail work everywhere you look throughout the car, from the stitching and the seats and the trim work, all the way through the speaker grills. And the back seat is worthy of the finest limousines. You know, Genesis got off to a shaky start in the U.S. market, but now it's starting to make up for lost time. While sales are still small, they're growing quickly. Sales of the G90 were up 50% for January and February, though clearly the coronavirus crisis is going to slow that down. And speaking of the virus, I was kind of secretly hoping that Genesis would just tell me to keep the G90 until the crisis was over. No such luck. They came and picked it up two days ago. Anyway, that wraps up today's report. Thanks for joining us, and of course, we're going to be back here again on Monday. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.